Welcome to Act Two by Choosing Him Ministries with Tisha Janes and Andrew Pate, a place where life stories are told, encouragement is shared, and hope is found. Hey, good morning, listeners. Welcome to Act Two podcast. You hear Tisha Janes and Andrew Pate will be joining us another day, but I'm with Holly Compton today, and um, we're going to just talk about her journey and her story um, through the, the ministry that she has started, through the book that God has given her to write. Um, and just being a mom, just being real in the day-to-day of, of how God um, works and how he shows up and how we don't want to miss him in those de- details. So welcome, Holly. Welcome to Thank you. So tell us about you. Tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I am uh, married to my husband 17 years, and we actually just celebrated 19 years together. Um and we have three children, um, ages seven, 10, and 12. Um, my 12 year old is actually in the other room doing some homeschool. Okay. So, um, and hopefully my dog won't be barking in the background as well, but okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Yeah. Mine might be too. So we'll go with it. So we live in Houston, Texas, and, uh, we actually just moved here from Atlanta, Georgia, oh. um, we were there for about 20 years. That's where we met. Um, I'm originally from Massachusetts. So you might hear me say you guys, as well as y'all. So, um, yeah, it just depends on the context and what mood I'm in that day, whether I go with my North side or my South side. So that's funny. Well, very cool. So what took you from Atlanta to Houston, Texas? Well, uh, Houston is actually where my husband grew up and he brought me here as soon as we got engaged and I have loved it um, ever since. It just always felt like home to me. And because of COVID, my husband realized that he could work anywhere uh, in the world, really. And he actually um, often does work from Peru when he needs to take trips there. Um, And so we just you know, prayed about it, uh, talked to the kids about it and just waited. And the Lord said, now's the time. So, um, we were so excited to finally, um, we, we actually bought our house, uh, sight unseen, but the Lord really, um, blessed us so much. And we have an amazing church here that, um, actually has been to Peru with us several times and, uh, and are such a big part of my testimony. Okay. So you've referenced Peru a couple of times. Tell me about Peru. Tell me what um, connection you have with that and why your heart is so connected there. Well, first off, I've been doing missions since I was 14. So that's 30 years of uh, mission work. And, and that's really been my passion. Um, you know, the Lord just called me to, um, to spread his word and to share his love. Um, I, um, met my husband in Atlanta, like I said, and our, um, right. As soon as we got engaged, we decided to go on our first mission trip to Peru. And, uh, our team leader was this beautiful woman named Pat. And she had more compassion than I had ever seen in anyone. She had the peace of God surrounding her. And I wanted so much to be like her. Um, and just prayed, you know, constantly that the Lord would fill me with that kind of compassion and that kind of peace. Um, and so unfortunately, right after that mission trip, Pat was diagnosed with breast cancer and passed away within a couple months. 
Um, and that was devastating, but she had this vision um, to open a home in Peru for abused women and children. And basically she had seen so much heartache from um, many conferences and, and ministry services that we had done where we would open up the altar for prayer and the women would come and just say they were being abused by their, their father, their uncle, their brother, um, you know, and, and it pained her so, so very much. So we um, got on board with the vision that she had and we helped open a home for um, abused women and children called Pat's Place in 2006. And then in 2007, well, actually it was 2006 as well, that the Lord called us to move to Peru as missionaries. So we lived there from 2007 to 2008. Um, part of the time we did live at Pat's place, but we also had lots of other duties. Uh, I taught English. My husband oversaw a lot of our ministry construction projects because we built a lot of different buildings, um, including Pat's Place. When we bought it, it was only a story and a half, um, but it is five stories now and it is enormous. Wow. Um, and it just stands out uh, really in, you know, the neighborhood that it's in as just uh, a beautiful palace almost, you know, so we want the women and children not only to know the love of God, but to know that God cares enough to provide for them. Um, and so it's really important that, you know, we um, take really good care of uh, what God gives us and steward it well. So in, uh, so we stayed uh, working in Peru all the years since. Um, and then in 2016, God called us to uh, start Amor Real Ministries and take over ownership and operation of Pat's Place, right? I forgot to mention that it was called after her, Pat's place. Um, but the interesting thing is that the, the Peruvians like to think of Pat as an acronym for peace, which is paz in Spanish, uh, amor, which is love in English, and transformation or transformacion. So they, oh, they wow. see it as P-A-T, um, representing those things that are available to them when they come and live there. Which sounds like the things you saw in Pat herself. Yes, exactly. Like that just gives me chills. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. So we've been safe for her and a way to honor her as well. That's yes. very special. And it, it's been interesting because we have connected um, last year. We connected with her family, her uh, brothers and sisters and her son. And somehow they had had never even known about Pat's place. And so they rediscovered it and um, it was such a beautiful uh, reunion to share with them the vision that, you know, God had fulfilled for Pat and they loved Pat so, so very much and saw her as, you know, the, um, the leader of their family and, um, and it just blessed them so much to know that God had done that. That is an incredible gift that you've given them as well, because when you lose someone, and um, there does come a point where you, you well, we lost my dad and my mom, but there comes a point where you don't have any new pictures, where you don't have any, you know, everything you have is, is old and you feel like there's this chapter is quickly closing and you try to hold on to that. 
And, um, mm-hmm. but when you have something like a living organism, like a ministry that's continuing to go, there's so much about the, your loved one that stays alive in yes. that, and through that. And yep. that's just an incredible blessing for her family that yeah. this is continuing to serve and really is keeping her alive. Yeah, absolutely. And we are so honored, you know, God doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't, I definitely don't believe in coincidence. I know that God called us to this ministry and set it up from the very beginning that we would get to know her right before she passed away so that we could carry on this legacy. And we very much see this as our family legacy. It's not something that we ever plan to give up or let go of. And, um, and it's definitely something that, um, you know, we wholeheartedly trust God with, and he has, he has just provided over and abundant, um, for this ministry. Um, and we just actually had a couple of fundraisers and raised over $35,000, which, um, I just blew us away because that's, that's more than enough for, um, for a year's worth of ministry with Pat's Place. So, um, now we have reserve, which is amazing, you know, and, and through COVID, that was another thing. Um, we know, no, not a single person in that house and we can house up to 35 women and children at a time. Um, 20 of which are usually children. Um, but not a single person got COVID and, um, the Lord provided financially when, um, we had to uh, cancel a lot of our mission trips, which provide a lot of income for the home. Um, the women uh, serve our short-term missionaries as they come through. The fourth floor of Pat's Place is a dormitory for short-term missionaries. Um, and we can house about 40, 45 missionaries at a time. So that gives you an idea of how enormous this house is. Wow. So your Pat's Place then is like a safe house for women that yes. are being abused and they can escape there and be loved on and protected even with their children. Okay. Yeah. And actually uh, the government works alongside of us because we're the only um, home safe haven in, um, in Lima that will take children and will take children with special needs. Wow. So um, that is a really big deal because obviously you know, there's so many women that have children with them and to not be able to come and, you know, receive the ministry that they need. Um, it's, it's so valuable and they, they are fully aware and they are very, very grateful. Um, and, you know, that, so we basically have a two-year program that they go into with it's It's in four phases. You know, the first phase is that they, um, get assimilated into the house, get a, used to the rules and, um, you know, understand what the program entails. Then we talk about their spiritual life um, and, you know, their heart and do some healing there. Um, the third phase is all about parenting because obviously, you know, they have only one model to go from and it was a dysfunctional model. So we want to, um, raise them up in a Christ-like situation and give them uh, a vision for a Christian family and what that looks like. And the final phase is, um, is education. 
So we don't simply say, okay, you're done with the program, now leave. You know, we want to make sure that these women are secure and able to provide for themselves and their children when they leave. So um, we have a, a number of different ministries that we work with, uh, one of which does scholarships for the women um, to go to school and to learn a trade. Um, we also uh, have a government-sponsored program where they installed um, five industrial-sized uh, sewing machines um, on our fifth floor, and the women are able to learn how to sew uh, from scratch, literally from, you know, and so they're able to make so many different things and to sell those things. And so we also are starting to work with another ministry that teaches them how to have a Christian-based business. Oh, that's awesome. Wow, so you're, you're providing counseling, you're providing training and an opportunity to support themselves. And actually right now, my husband is in Peru. He is on a trip with the youth. They took all of the teenagers that were at the house, which were 12, um, and took them to a town called, and I hope I don't mess this up, Oliante Tambo, which is in Cusco. Um, it's near Machu Picchu, but not near enough for them to actually go there. Um, they did fly there from Lima um, and just to take them away and to um, love on them, to minister to them, to um, answer their questions. Yesterday, uh, my husband sent me this list of questions that they submitted anonymously. And I'm telling you, these, they're, they're teenagers, right? So you already know that they're going through a lot, but then, you know, they, they ask themselves, you know, why me? Why did I have to go through this? Why, you know, am I not loved? Do I, you know, does God really exist? Does God really love me? Um, all of these questions that a normal teenager would have, but then, you know, on top of the abuse that they have suffered, um, and the family situation they come to. Um, we, we want to get in front of uh, the experiences that they've had so they can, ex they can have healing, but also instruction on how to end the cycle of violence in their generation. Wow. And what a beautiful thing for your husband to be involved in these boys' lives because like you said, they only know what they know and it's been very dysfunctional and not healthy. And it also filters over into our spiritual life. So we talk about heavenly father and that all they know is the abuse. So to have a healthy, godly man that now is investing into them and showing them what true love is like and how to be a man mm -hmm. will change their life and generations after them. Yeah. And so our, um, you know, the Lord gave me a more real um, ministries is to be the name of our ministry because true love is what God wants these um, families to know. And our ministry verse is Ephesians 5 2, which says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. That, that's a big undertaking. Yes, which is why we spent a good amount of time praying and saying, Lord, we surrender. If this is your will for us, then we will honor it and we will do what you ask us to do. So you have people there that run the safe house um, full time? 
Yes, um, Laura Ali is our director and she is the most amazing woman. Uh, she has multiple degrees and uh, in counseling and then um, business. And uh, she just, she wears every kind of hat you can imagine um, from teaching the women um, cooking and, you know, life skills and um, ministering to these women, knowing their stories. Um, I'm not even allowed to know their detailed stories. My husband won't let me read them because they're too overwhelming. Wow. So Laura, or Laura is how we say it, um, she, uh, you know, works with the government as far as intake goes. And, um, and then, you know, she also has to oversee all of the kids' education. For COVID, there were two full years of schooling that they homeschooled 20 kids. I cannot imagine. Yeah. So um, her daughter. Different ages. Yes all different ages. Um, her daughter, Pamela, came on staff as well um, to help teach the children during that time. Um, but we, we um, were able to fund a computer lab right there in the house. Um, and uh, it, I mean, like I said, God has just provided over and abundantly um, to take care of every aspect of the needs of the house. Wow, that's really, really incredible. So your husband goes over there a lot in your home right now with your kids, homeschooling yes. them and raising yep. them and doing exactly what you're teaching the women to do over in Peru, um, yep. which I love. You're living it out. Um, but you're also a writer. Yes. So tell us about that. Well, um, you know, I've been writing my whole life. I used to write a lot of poetry, but um, as the years have gone by, I've, I've written more essays and the essays that I've written um, are so much uh, about the testimonies of God in my life and everything that um, that he has done from, you know, my salvation, but um, my healing from depression. Um, and uh, I'm also a, an overcomer of childhood abuse. So, um, you know, one of the, that's one of the reasons, of course, that I have such a passion for these women in Peru. Um, I know what they've been through. And um, not the extent I'm sure that they have been through it, but um, the compassion I have for them, God really answered that prayer that I started praying for the, the compassion that I saw in Pat to come into my heart. And, and ever since then, you know, it has just been one amazing um, thing after another that the Lord has asked me to do. And when I surrender and uh, obey, then I have such fulfillment and such peace and so I've written a book, um, which is very much about that. Um, the working title is Well-Dressed and Highly Blessed, The Art of Choosing True Life. Love it. And basically, um, it's a handbook for young spiritual sojourners who are willing to make impactful choices that lead to a transformed life with God's favor and blessing. So through uh, my discussion of surrender and obedience, um, we learn how to dress ourselves with the character of Christ. That's the well-dressed part. And then as we do that, um, it leads to a highly blessed life. Um, and of course, it starts with a faith in Jesus. 
I love that. That's, that's a beautiful visual that you've created through those words as well. So where, where are you with that book right now? Well, um, <laughs> funny thing is the Lord gave me that title 17 years ago. Oh, wow. And what I didn't realize was that all the stories that, uh, that are written in it, uh, my life stories hadn't been written then. So I couldn't have written the book until this year. And as soon as we um, got to Texas, I, I just hit the ground running and the Lord just poured this book through me um, and I wrote it in six weeks. I love it. I've seen God do that a lot in the, through my life when I have to speak or something and, and I'm struggling with a theme, this, you know, how do I write? What am I going to say? And, and usually it's because God's about to take me through something that's mm. going to make it so real to me. And then mm -hmm. once he does, the message is just there. Yes. And, and that's, that's scary at times. And that's hard yes. at times. Um, but, but I tend to learn a lot more in the harder times than I do, even in the most joyful times. Absolutely. I guess I'm a little hard-headed that way. <laughs> well, and I think most of us are, so you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm meeting with an editor in two weeks. Um, and this is a, an editor that specializes in missions, which, um, you know, I talk a lot about my ministry, my missionary experiences in the book, but my heart is also for um, this book to accompany me on the mission field mm -hmm. to um, just continue the work of faith that begins, especially in uh, conferences that we do. Um, you know, I just, I was just in Peru in June and spoke at seven churches and two schools. And, you know, I think and that, you know, I want to bless them, of course, while I'm there and God has a message for them. But I also know that, you know, God wants to grow them up. And so I'm just planting a seed and God is in charge of the growing. So I would love to have this book on the mission field so that it can help them continue to grow that seed. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We do that. Um, very often here, especially in America, as we have these big events and people come and they get filled up for a day and then they go home back to their routines. Yes. And, um, and we don't follow, we don't disciple and go deeper. Yes. And that's beautiful that that is your heart and your mission to go and love on these women, to teach these women, but then to grow them. You know, yes. You believe. And that's I do I'm a lot of uh, mentoring in the U.S. of young women um, and uh, a lot of what, you know, I share with them is in the book. So one of my favorite messages um, is about uh, a, a phrase that I quoted when um, that uh, a phrase that I coined when I was in my young 20s, TGFT, and it means there's grace for that. Oh, I like that. TGFT. Basically, yeah. And, you know, when young people are learning how to adult for the first time, um, they often make plenty of mistakes. Um, and, you know, some of course are just, you know, mistakes that we can work through and are not a problem. Some of them affect our whole lives, but there's still grace for that. You know, God, you know, doesn't expect us to be perfect and he knows, you know, the beginning from the end. So, you know, there is nothing that God will not use in our lives. So even our missteps, there's grace for that. 
And I love sharing that with young women who are trying very much to find their way in this world, to know what God is calling them to do, but be okay to make mistakes. Yes, absolutely. My daughter is a freshman in a college this year, and that has a, a constant conversation that we have, even mm. when she was little. Actually, her middle name is Grace. And I told her, I said, that's going to be the greatest challenge of your life. She's very grounded in her um, Christian faith, but grace for herself and grace for others. I told her, so that's going to be your greatest challenge. And you're going to have mm -hmm. to really dig deep into what Jesus did and what he offers in order to accept that grace for when you will mess up because you will. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. do every day. And right. so that, that is a constant conversation. I think, and that can be a, a real pressure. I think as Christian teachers, Christian pastors, um, that we don't present a gospel that is not surrounded in that grace, that we don't present like you have to follow the letter of the law to and be perfect and to be a good Christian that you do everything right. And I, I think if, if we don't wrap that in the grace of Christ and knowing that every day we're going to mess up and every day we are called to surrender our heart and our actions to him over and over and um, we can feel, go through life feeling like failures and feeling like we'll never measure yeah. up. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you can see it. I know the listeners won't be able to see it, but I have this necklace and it's of a person on their knees with their hands up. And I have been wearing this every day for about two years, but um, I've had it since 2002. Um, and it's titled Surrender. It was made by um, a person who had visions of uh, particular jewelry that came with poems. And so um, this one was titled Surrender. And um, the Lord has just really called me in the last two years to surrender and to allow him um, to have the authority in my life that he deserves, um, to put other distractions aside, to um, allow him to rule my desires and change my desires according to his will. Um, so surrender is just one step. Then I believe, and this is what I talk about in my book, that worship is next. You can't worship until you surrender. Um, and, and when you do that, you're able to give God the glory that he deserves and to really worship him with your life. Um, and the next step after that is obedience. And obedience is the door that opens up um, to allow God's blessings to flow in your life. Yes, I can relate to all of that for sure. Um, okay, so what is your act two as you're writing this book? Um, tell us about a season where God totally intersected your plans and gave you a new direction and a mission. And we've talked a lot about that already, but let's talk for you personally. What, what was that? What was that like? Well, there, there have been um, three instances in my life where God basically said, go and do. And I did. And he met me very, very clearly. Um, but the one that changed my life the most was in 2016, right before we started Amor Real Ministries. Um, between 2014 and 2016, I was actually extremely depressed. 
um, more depressed than any other time in my life. And I thought every day about ending my life. Um, and the only reason I didn't do that was because I didn't want that to be the story that my kids told for the rest of theirs. Um, and uh, that just, you know, it broke me. So I, I just could not bring myself to do that, but I somehow, you know, woke up every day and still pressed on. So in um, that summer, I actually um, agreed to go on a mission trip to Peru, but at the time I thought to myself, I don't have anything to offer anybody anymore. So I am never coming back again. This is my last time coming to Peru. I want nothing else to do with Peru. Um, and in that sense, I, I wanted nothing else to do with missions anymore as well. And several times in my life, the, the enemy has tried to thwart God's calling to mission work. Um, and he has yet to succeed and he never shall because the Lord will not let the enemy have the last word. That's right. But, uh, that summer when we went to Peru, I tried to stay, um, just to keep to myself. I did not want to talk with anybody because I, I really, didn't have any words of encouragement. I, I didn't want to drag everybody down into my depths of despair. I just wanted to be left alone. Um, well, that was not God's plan. God had a different plan. So one night we were at a, a church and the Holy Spirit was just moving powerfully at that church. And I was sitting there in the front row, staring at the exit sign, which in Spanish is escape or escape. And I very much was like, oh, please just let this end so I can go home, go to bed. Well, so after the service, the Holy Spirit, first of all, was also just continued to move as we all headed back to the house of Pat's place. Um, and everyone was gathered in the common room, which is on the first floor. And there are several bedrooms on the first floor as well. And, um, and I was staying in one of those and they were praising the Lord loudly. I mean, they just went on and on and on. And like, finally, I, I was like, it's midnight. They need to go to bed <laughs> already. So I was, I, I marched out there into the common room, ready to give the, the mandate to go to bed. And one of the women just grabbed me and put me in the center of the 30 of them. And they started praying for my freedom. And they prayed, they prayed and prayed and prayed. And I was like, really? Okay. I'm going to stay here and let y'all do what you want to do. But an hour into it, one of the ladies said to me, how do you feel? And I said, I feel nothing. I feel dead inside. Well, they rolled up their sleeves literally and prayed harder and louder for 30 more minutes. And at one point, one of the ladies got down on her knees and embraced me and it broke me just at the very deepest part in the very hardest um, area of pain. And I just started weeping and weeping and weeping until the weeping turned 
to laughter. Wow, that's it, so beautiful, Holly. It absolutely broke. The, the spirit of depression and anxiety just left me. I started laughing and then I was just, I was singing and dancing with the rest of them until two o'clock in the morning. Wow, that, what a beautiful story. Oh, so because of that day, because of that night, the Lord said, you're going to be doing more. You are going to be taking over Pathways. And that's how Amor Real was birthed. Wow, that is one incredible story, Holly. Very God is very so faithful. faithful. Yes, he is so faithful. And he won't let us run. I kept thinking about the um, the prodigal son story and how it, in the Western world, we call it the prodigal son. In the Middle Eastern world, they call it the running father. Mm. And I love that that title because he does. He runs after us. And yes, he's always and he embraces for us. He does. And it just with everything that he's got, and he's, he's going to give us space to wrestle with him, but he's not going to let us go. That's and right. I love that. So what advice would you give for a woman who's trying to figure out her significance and this season of her life? How does she serve God and the busyness, the noise of the world? Um, you know, to might, might hear your story and you're like, that's great. You have a purpose. You know, you're doing missions like I but I don't know what mine is and I don't know what to do. What advice would you give? Well, you know, like I I have talked about, you know, surrender, I think is such an important step when we realize that um, our lives do not belong to us. Um, If we have faith in Christ, then he has already started a a work in us and he is going to see it through. Um, and so if we are able to surrender and, um, just open ourselves up to hear his voice, he speaks in so many different ways. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be an audible voice and it doesn't have to be, um, in church even. Um, but the Lord does make his will clear to us when we are in a place of humility. So I think, um, when we are ready to receive um, our calling. Uh, he makes it clear when we, um, when we choose to trust him. Um, you know, so there are so many things you can do to you know, try and figure out what you're gifted at. Um, you know, there's personality tests and strengths tests and spiritual gifts tests and all that kind of stuff. And that stuff is great. I love it. I actually talk about some of that in my book too. Um, because knowing our spiritual gifts certainly helps us to, um, understand what we're made for, what we're passionate about. Um, but I also know what it's like to be a young mom and to have all the, you know, kids everywhere and not have any space for myself, never going to the bathroom by myself, you know? So, you know, in times like that, um, I remember someone, uh, you know, a speaker once told me that being in the word is the best, is the best place to be. Um, because that is what sustained me during the times that I felt like I was flailing about, you know, and then there's grace for that, you know, for those mistakes, especially young moms who don't know, don't feel like they know what they're doing. 
um, there's so much grace for that, you know, and, and grace to discover who we are at the right time. But in the meantime, be in the word. That's great advice. Because I think, especially as young moms, or even just as women who have to help with our family, help maybe we're working or just taking care of the activities, we are the last ones that we take care of. And yes. Even sit sometimes with your Bible in the quiet, you feel guilty because you feel like there's mm-hmm. a million things I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And that might even feel like a luxury that you don't feel like you can even afford yourself. And, and, you're, and you're absolutely right. That has got to be the priority because it really is crazy how when we put God first in our day, how everything else that you feel like I could never get done just seems to fall into place. Yes. It, it's, it's, it's really fun to watch that. And I would challenge our listeners that if you've never done that before and you haven't put God as the first thing in part of your day to spend time with him, to get in his word and let it fill you up, that just go ahead and chart it, journal it and see how your days go when you give him your first and let him filter through the priority of the day, filter through what really has to be done and help you achieve that out of the overflow of your relationship with him. And I challenge all of our listeners to try that because promise you, <laughs> you'll see his faithfulness through that. And you'll see the peace that passes understanding. That's absolutely correct. Absolutely. So even when you're, you're struggling and, and if they're struggling with anxiety and depression, I mean, my whole life I, I struggled and, uh, you know, <clears throat> postpartum depression just added to that, um, with each one of my three kids, it, uh, seemed to be worse and worse. Um, And, you know, the only way that I was able to press on was um, being in the word, but also being in fellowship. So, you know, don't isolate. That's, that is um, the enemy just trying to get you away from the community of love and, um, uh, you know, I, I go in depth um, in my book about inner healing and um, and how, um, you know, what to do. You know, there are things that you can do um, that can help you get out of the pit. And that it's really God's job to do the healing. That part you don't have control over. Um, but there are things you can do, like reaching out and being part of the community and asking for help. Um, so, you know, and that's, and, and the peace that passes understanding is what gets you through the really, really hard times. Yeah. I have to tell you that the, Satan has a lot of tactics, but one thing he's not is creative. Um, he does the same thing over and over since the beginning of time. And one of his greatest um, lies that we believe is that we're the only one going through what we're going through. Mm-hmm. Else understands um, it's just my story and my lot in life that I'm going to have to deal with. And that is such a lie. And so when we get out into community, when we realize like what you're sharing today, these are my struggles. So many listeners are going to hear and like, yes, that's my story too. Like, okay, so you've made it through. You know, God met you where you're at. He's healed you. He's brought you through it. That gives me hope for me and my day today. It's, that's that's one thing that I am, we're so passionate about here, even in Act Two and Choosing Him Ministries. Is our stories are important. Yes, they're not just meant for us. Right. They're meant to give hope and the peace for the person who 
it's coming right behind us. We keep our eyes on Jesus and they, you know, as Paul says, you follow me as I follow Christ. And when somebody can't get their eyes on Christ, they're going to follow the one that does. So as a challenge for us in ministry and as a Christian is that we keep our eyes on Christ so that when somebody else just can't see him yet, they might see him through us because I yes. sure don't want them to see me. <laughs> I want them to see Christ. Um, as we begin to wrap up, I mean, your legacy already is we're watching it play out and it's really incredible. And, um, but that is something we always like to ask some you know, of our um, listeners or our guests is what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to remember you by? And the reason we ask that is because we often have this idea of, you know, what people would say at our funeral, you know, what, what, mm-hmm. what people are going to remember us by. And then you look at somebody's life and you're like, those are so far from each other. You're not going to get to this point by the way you're living this way. You know, mm-hmm. so it's also a challenge when we think about that. What do I want to be remembered by? Um, and how have I set up my life to point to that direction? So that, that was convicting for us. So we decided we were going to ask all of our guests that question. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be remembered by? So, um, you know, as I talked about Pat and her compassion, um, that has been, you know, it, I prayed 15 years for that kind of compassion and it, it took that long, but I was on a mission trip in Peru. <laughs> I actually took a team of ballerinas to Peru Hi. to dance and share the gospel through their dance. And it was on that trip that the Lord answered that prayer for compassion. And um, I finally felt like I was equipped to follow um, in the footsteps of Christ, like Ephesians 5, 2, and to live a life filled with love. And so that's the verse that's on the back of our uh, Amor Real t-shirts, um, because that is what um, we strive to do on every mission trip and every, every single action that we do when we're in Peru. So, you know, I, I know that actually my, my missionary reach is continuing to expand. Um, next year, I'm going to um, Africa, to Kenya, um, and who knows where else I'm going. But, you know, and, and of course, Pat's Place will always be part of our family legacy. Um, but I, I want to be known for what Pat was known for, that I was filled with compassion. And, and that everyone that met me could sense that compassion. Well, I can say I've only met you a few times, even through emails, and I can say you're well on the way for that. So that's, thank you. you've got a beautiful heart and God's definitely been shining bright for you. So thank you for your story, for your surrender, for your obedience, because you are changing lives through him. And um, man, well done, well done. So for our listeners who would really like to connect with you, or more Real uh, Ministries, um, maybe partner with you or do something, tell people how to get in contact with you. Well, I have uh, my own personal writing website, which is just hollycompton.com. But I would love for your listeners to join us on the mission field. Um, And if they want to learn more about Amor Real, it's just amorrealministries.com. Wonderful. And we'll have those in our notes too when um, when this goes live. So um, they can find you there, there as well. 
But Holly, thank you. Thank you for your time today, for sharing your story. Um, it's an amazing story, very impactful. And um, I look forward to being able to share that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It was an honor. It, for same, same for me as well. To our listeners, as we always end every, every session is, you know, whatever your story is, you own it, share it and let God use it. Y'all have a blessed day.